Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to start this. Um, so we, we, we've got a whole thing, bunch of things on this list that are like somewhat old because this happens every year after sun, well, twice a year after sun and fun and after Oshkosh, because things have been building up on the list while we were off having fun or, or not having fun or as the case may be. Um, this one's from a while back, but the jetpack guy reappeared. Jetpack guy is back. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what to make of this. I haven't even looked at the story in a couple of weeks. Jeb, you put it on the list. What's the, is it, is it uh, more it's, reputable than any of the others? Well, this is the LACBS station, so I'll let you make your own judgment on that. Um, but um, a quote, a quote, a quote, the story quotes an FAA official or a spokesperson, quote, a Boeing 747 pilot reported seeing an object that might have resembled a jetpack. 15 miles east of LAX at a fi- at 5,000 feet altitude. Um, out of an abundance of caution, air traffic air traffic controllers were alert alerted other pilots in the vicinity. Mike, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't. You know, maybe the problem is 747 pilots. To 737 pilots. This but, is a 7-4. Oh, I thought you said three. Okay, 7-4. Well, I don't know. Um, you know, there. I don't see this is a 747 joke in there someplace. I don't know what it is. Um, ah, yeah. So, jetpack, but he, and and I'm sorry. Did you say what altitude they estimated this jetpack to be at? Five thousand. Oh, that's not. Yeah, okay. Still, it's kind of up there. That's. I don't. I wouldn't want to fall from that height. <laughs> no, no, neither would I. Um, oh, dude, you wouldn't feel a thing. Yeah, that's probably except true. Except the sudden stop. That's well, you there, know. There, but, there is a yeah show I was watching last night, and there is this there is this chasm uh, below this this walkway. And one guy asks the other guy, he says, how, how, how deep is this? He says, he says, how long will it take to hit bottom? He says, uh, he says, the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but uh, so the jetpack guy, again, I don't know what to make of this. I don't know. How can it possibly be that this is a real thing, whatever it is? How could it possibly be that we haven't figured it out yet? All right. This is the 21st century. We got sensors and cameras everywhere, all right. And 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 I I continue to. It's an Area 51 thing, all right. No, they, it's a balloon. It's some they, kind of balloon. I, but if I, okay, I believe it could be a balloon, except <laughs> that if it were a balloon, they would have figured this out by now, all right. I think it's an Area 51 thing where the government knows what it is and they're keeping it a secret from us. This is what I believe. Why would they be doing this in an arrival corridor at LAX? You know what? Have you been paying attention to our government these days? Why would they be doing anything? All right. Okay. Um, but you know what? It's, this is like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an alien jetpack. That's what it is. It's an alien jetpack, and uh, they don't want to, I don't know what. I was going to say they don't want to make us, they don't want to startle us. They don't want to panic us. But we're past that too, aren't we? So they settled on jetpacks as their mode of, of, of transportation. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. And that's not, well, I don't know. That's the cover story anyways. It's, oh, it's The truth is out there. The truth is out there. That's right. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be on this podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, yeah. So let's all t- be let's all be careful out there. Or at least when you're on that approach to LAX. Um, yeah, you know, um, we should we should send 172 Drew out to reconnoiter, and uh, you know, we got to get him to fly that approach a couple times. Yeah, because that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't anger anybody. Well, yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, okay, <laughs> uh, maybe late at night at LAX, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, but uh, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, okay. Area 51. That's what I'm saying. The truth is out there. 
the yeah. truth the truth is out there if it's area 51 the sucker's got a pretty good range well I, over, I, over lax i mean area 51 symbolically you know sort of sort of uh, um so anyways david you're awful quiet you in on this what's going on uh, I, i'm not sure what to think of this uh the, the uh in this lack of decisiveness on some of the spotters, it's like, you sure you saw that? Uh, flying to Florida once, uh, and uh, the better half an hour getting down to Panhandle, and we saw the aerostat that's down there to watch for drug smugglers and other usurpers. And and a guy came on, we were on an IFR flight plan, guy came on the frequency and said he uh, thought he saw a ufo and the uh controller very formal and taking him seriously asked for more information like what direction from you what altitude how far away and the guy says oh never mind yeah it's yeah. it's the aerostat it, I, he was no. looking at it head on and it's like this round thing with cable attached to it when the wind shifted a little bit and he got to look at it from the port side, he realized what it was. He said it's e- either a UFO or the biggest unmanned blimp he'd ever seen. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's a maybe this is some sort of pilot thing, you know, and like, like someplace there's a pilot lounge with a list on the on the wall that says on 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 this particular day it's your turn to report that you saw a jetpack, <laughs> all right? And uh um and you know, they're just kind of messing with us or maybe it's a hazing thing, I don't know. There's a secret airline pilot society and uh and uh, in order to <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This you know, could have been the FO, he could have been on IOE and he the captain made him do this, you know. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's your turn today. Do That's it. Right. Do it. Do right. it. Come on. Well, there, there's enough aerospace industry in the L.A. basin that it's not a far stretch to conceive that one of those companies there has come up with something which uh, innovative. But why they're just flying it in that airspace just brings it, me that, that baffles me brings me full circle to my area 51 the truth is out there theory call call mel gibson in mel huh mel gibson mel gibson you're thinking of the uh the uh yeah okay i don't think you're thinking of mel gibson but uh, well he had this movie where it's, it's, he, he was a widowed farmer and seeing crop dusters on it. Oh, signs. Crop circles. Signs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was Mel Gibson. I don't know if I know that. That, that was movie. Mel Gibson. Yeah, right. that was, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, all right. I'll, um, I will do that research and report back. Uh, it should not <laughs> It should not surprise you to learn I have that DVD. <laughs> okay. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from uh, the uh, the banks of the beautiful Cochico River in Dover, New Hampshire. Um where I'm uh, recover, still recover. Well, I'm not recovering from Oshkosh. I, Oshkosh is over a week ago. I, I returned home from Oshkosh in order to dive deeply into a very busy work from home project for, for my day job, and uh, and so I'm you know just kind of like I don't know I'm in a, I'm in an altered state of mind these days. But uh, 
Um, other than that, I'm just kind of having a good time. It's uh, we're, we're about to start. By the time people hear this, it'll be over, but we're about to get a little heat wave up here. There are literally heat emergency warnings, and it's supposed to get to high 90s here today, the next couple of days, and heat index of 105. So everybody's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I don't have to work, and I, I can you know hide out if I need to, so I guess I'm lucky, but some people are going to be struggle with this. Um, what else is going on for me? I'm working on, uh, so I, I, I'm continuing to do the new Around the Field um, newsletter. Uh, and in the recent issue of the newsletter, I wrote my my recap of this year's AirVenture Oshkosh. And uh, I also uh, reprinted, to, made a, took a look back at uh, one of the Around the Field columns from the newspaper from, from the Oshkosh of years ago. And also had some a bunch of links to interesting stories about general aviation news. Those things are in my uh, email newsletter. Um, you can check out the current issue and all the past issues at aroundthefield.net. It's free. It's free. Anyways, I'm here in a virtual hangar talking to my uh, two good friends. Uh, one of those voices is from the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas. That's Dave Higdon. Good morning, David. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, Jetman free since 1991. <laughs> so you say. <laughs> so you say. But, uh, you know, anyways, I, you're always telling us about various experimental things that are flying over your head there. So uh, um, what's going on? Uh, you, so I you know I'm moaning about 95 degrees. You told me that you had a really hot day in the last couple of days. What was it? 108. Yeah. No, no. 108? Yep. No. 108 raw temperature or, or heat index? Raw. No, no, uh uh. See, jetpacked story right there. I'm not buying it. 108 people will die spontaneously. No combust. Well, and that was kind of part of the language in the uh, right. heat well, alert that the uh, National Weather Service and all the TV stations were well, uh, then I, I for a couple of days. I rescind my joke and tell you to be careful, David. That sounds scary. Um, well, what was, what was really horrid was the. Uh, failure of my office air conditioner of course uh, it's always going it's always going to be the way it's going to work right so yeah. I, I walk in the office and it's like ah, i must have taken that pizza out a long time ago <laughs> but you got a new one now you said right yep we got it put in yesterday and Good. uh and it's been running fine yep and the uh, office is back to a uh, i don't mind sitting here temperature mm-hmm. and what you've been doing you've been working on anything fun Usual, uh, just uh, trying to turn and burn on some stories that yep. I've got on the on the on the uh, desk. And, cool, cool, and, and staying plenty busy. Yeah, and then my other good friend here in uh, our virtual hangar is uh, from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Jeb Burnside. Good morning, Jeb. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. So, I'm I'm good. I uh, got. A I lot appreciate of you're not snickering at us, complaining about the high I, heat. I, Sometimes it's best to say nothing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and but that, you never do that. But just sometimes it's best. Right? I, I just yeah. I, I, if the, the word sometimes is doing a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly, exactly. What's going on? Um, uh, about well, kind of inverse from Dave. I just finished two major projects, uh-huh. um, as well as the magazine. Um, so I'm nice. Anything, back. anything you want to yeah. plug, or are you just um, just coverage of the. Um, uh, just uh, the aircraft electronics show back mm-hmm. in June in Dallas. Uh, I finished up my pieces for them on uh, covering what what went on. Yeah. So those will probably appear in the September issue of of uh, which publication of uh, AEA um, 
Right. Avionics News. Avionics News. Thank you. Yes, it would be really embarrassing. I, I, if yeah, I knew the name it, of that magazine. It yeah. would really, it would really be embarrassing <laughs> yeah. to do that. Yeah. Uh, a good magazine, um, though. I, I, I get it in the mail. On yeah, there. It's, it's yeah. I think it's free. I, it um, must be because that's because I wouldn't be getting. Yeah, it. It no, I, I get that. I mean, uh, uh, not to give them a plug, but uh, if anybody's interested in what's going on in the avionics I, industry, that's a great uh, publication to learn. I, I and, raced by uh, their booth at Oshkosh. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, when I was. Did you get the the and pilot's I managed, guide? I managed to scoop one of them yellow bags that uh-huh. had a pilot's guide in it. Uh-huh. I, I'm, it's embarrassing. I think I described this on the on the, one of the dailies that my my time in the exhibit hangars this year was very fleeting, and uh, um, so. Uh, but uh, on, on the flip side, they said they were mobbed from day one. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a big crowd. There's no question about it, and and many people were not as as you know paranoid as I was. So, anyways. So, um, yeah. Anything so else I, going on? Yeah, yeah, just kind of basking in the glow of getting all that done and licking my wounds. Yeah, um, um, trying to take care of some projects around the house and uh, you know go from there. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, um, we talked a lot about um, our per- different perspectives of Oshkosh on that last daily. Um, but is there any more follow up? Anybody? Any fi- final? They're not final, but further thoughts on this weird recent Oshkosh air venture before we move on? And the answer may be no. I, I I don't have any. I you know, I kind of did a brain dump on some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, to to get my other stuff done, but uh, yeah, I haven't really thought about it much. Later. The numbers came out since we did that daily, recorded that daily, and as we suspected, they were very good, very strong numbers. The yeah. uh, attendance um, was was very high, um, both in terms 600, of air, yeah, six hundred and eight thousand. Yeah, um, and. Uh, you know, it was, you know, it was a, if, if it hadn't been for the COVID thing, it would have been an outstanding Oshkosh. Um, and it was an outstanding Oshkosh. Um, my perspective was that it was all sort of, I don't know what the right word to be tinted, colored, you know, by the, by the COVID situation. But I'm, I, I would be willing to bet that a lot of people didn't feel that as strongly as I did. So it was good. I'm glad we did. I, I have no regrets having gone. I'm glad I went. I, and I, but I respect that many people yourselves included, chose not to, um, it, you know, it's all good. It's all good. All right. What else? Um, so, so they made this, they made this announcement about, you guys are going to have to clarify this all for me. So I think what it was, we talked a while back about a early, early proposal for a, what was almost a new aircraft category, this mosaic thing. Yeah. Um, and, and FAA claimed that they were moving forward and eventually there was going to be a, 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 a notice of rulemaking and they were going to do new regulation and there was going to be new stuff. All right. And then the way I heard it was at the, uh, at the uh, meet the administrator, you know, ask the boss you know, session, which did, did get held apparently at, at AirVenture. Um, somebody stood up in the audience and said, what's the story on this mosaic? I'm paraphrasing and I'm half joking. What's the story on this mosaic thing? We think it's a pretty bad idea. And the administrator or whoever, F, whatever FAA person was speaking said, said, yeah, you're right. It's a bad idea. We're not doing it. Hmm. Did you hear that story? I did not hear that story. I, that, I, I heard that story, and what that story fails to acknowledge is that there had already been this all-hands meeting from uh, FAA personnel and the administrator and uh, EAA people and other industry people that was not part of the meet the administrator thing, where this all got discussed and a lot of agreement uh, with the uh, uh, powers that be from the community that the, 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 the this, uh, mosaic thing was 
evolving into something far more complicated than it had to be, overly complex, and they needed to simplify things. So the FAA said, you know, you're right. We agree with you. And so they're still working on it. Well, well, these are words that you don't ordinarily hear. The FAA said, yeah, you know, you're right. We're not going to. Okay. Jeb, go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah. Let me kind of raise my hand here and just ask uh, kind of a, I don't know, simple question. Simple? Which is, okay. What is any of this bias? Oh, oh by us. Okay. Uh, B-U-Y. What is well, it by us? That was, because that was we my... already have these aircraft. I know. These aircraft exist. They're yeah. flying every day. I have one, yes. by the way. And, and, um, what's the, what's the, uh, where's the beef? And now I agree that I think that was my, what, what, is, what is any of this bias? We already have all this stuff. I know. Um, it, it, are we talking about pilot certification? Or are we talking about insurance? What are we talking about here that buys me that I want to, I want to fly a mosaic airplane. I want to yeah. fly a, 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 a large LSA or whatever these are called light personal aircraft. Right. Uh, why? I've got a light personal aircraft. Well, uh, and, and as surprising as it seems, it sounds like that's what the FAA has been convinced of. That it's well, not not necessary. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. David, do you have any insight into how this started and how this got started? And I don't know. You know what, well, does this, it, what was it supposed to buy us? Do you know? It's, this, this started a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This it, is not it, it, this The is encouragement not of the uh, uh, light sport and ultralight communities. And the home building communities, and uh, it, it, what it is, and I'm going to simplify it as best I can. What this is is another attempt to find a magic formula that will let companies build airplanes that are affordable and still have some kick to them. And LSAs didn't turn out to be that way. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a picture from uh, Oshkosh of. Uh, uh, the administrator sitting in a uh, light sport airplane that I know goes for well north of a hundred thousand, and that's that's not in the affordable envelope that my brain defines. Uh, and you're talking to a guy here that bit eighteen thousand on his first airplane and forty on his second, and sold them both for more than that. Uh, my idea of affordable is if you can't fit it in the hangar for less than 50, uh, you're basically pushing people back to the used market. Mm -hmm. And then, then that's one of the compelling elements of this is that the idea that the fleet is getting older and so much older that it's going to become a, a, a financial and safety burden between the, uh, uh, airworthiness directives that have to be uh, fulfilled to keep it airworthy because it's old and wearing out and the time to go forward. So, I, yeah, Jeb, go ahead. I heard you make a little noise there. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I certainly understand the aging aircraft problems and I certainly understand the affordability problems. Um, is Mosaic going to give me a Bonanza or an SR-22 for 50 grand? Ain't going to happen. Nope. Um, yeah. So, you know, and I, we were trading emails last night um, about um, some aircraft for sale. And I was kind of shocked at the prices um, lightly used uh, turbocharged SR-22s are getting. 
Okay, I, and I don't follow that market as much as you guys do. Yeah. But it, it, but I, mean, I we're wonder talking, we're talking close to a million dollars. Yeah, for, no, for and a single engine four place airplane. I wonder if that's a function of or related to the fact that a lot of these kind of big ticket purchases, personal purchases, are very high priced right now. It's no homes are notoriously high priced right now. Um, used vehicles are very notoriously high priced right now. It, it seems to be something related to. Yeah, but there's no good to, reason. The yeah. only reason. F- Hold on. Uh, don't forget the influence of the competition's prices. Yeah. And you, you can call up Textron Aviation and say you want a new G36 Bonanza, a Beechcraft, and they'll say, sure, a million ten. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, well, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't, okay, let, let's, let's back up though to um, um, shortages. The, the shortages are out there because there's a lot of stuff in demand. Now, it, it's true that um, some segments of, of, uh, the new and used aircraft market have experienced higher, greater demand over the last 18 months than others. Um, and it's also true that there are shortages of various commodities out there, well, computer chips being one of them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. um, I don't see inflation being a problem within the general aviation industry. No. Uh, I, I just don't see it. There might be a lot of demand, and now might be a good time to sell my airplane, for example. But that's been true for a couple of years, um, and I don't think it has anything to do with um, the post-pandemic shortages. So, but that is all real well and good. Um, but as long as we have to make, is, let me put it another way. As long as personal aircraft, new ones, have to be made by hand, they're going to be exorbitantly expensive mm-hmm. because yeah. of labor costs. And labor costs are going up, as they rightly should. But having said all of that, um, you're not going to get uh, a 200-knot LSA, a four-seat airplane you know, with a big engine. Uh, hell, the engine's going to be fifty grand. Yeah, um, and you gotta—I <clears throat> mean, you gotta fact avionics are going to be another fifty grand. Mm-hmm. So where does that leave you for airframe? Yeah. So I—I I just don't know where this is supposed to go, and I also know that there are a lot of, of used options out there that are just as capable um, and cheaper. Right. So anyways, this mosaic thing has gone away, and I make little finger quotes because I don't think it's just, it's like vanished. I think it's going to, I'd be willing to bet it resurfaces or some elements of it resurface in, I don't know whether or what, but, you know, there's talk, I think I heard talk about expanding the LSA definition maybe or things like that. But uh, anyways, all right, well, uh, you know, we'll come back to this. And, and this, this story quotes Earl Lawrence, for whom I have a lot of respect. Yeah. And um, this is by Dan Johnson, by the way. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I, I take everything in here definitely with, um, not with a grain of salt by any means, but but definitely with. Uh, no, these people know, know this, what they're talking about. This yeah. is the way it is. Yeah. 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 That kind okay. of thing. All yeah. right. What else? Um, so, uh, a bunch of stories in the news recently about basic med. Um, some of these stories claim 
claim that basic med just passed a big birthday, a big anniversary, although the math doesn't seem to work out for me somehow, it's, some way. It was a 10 year thing, wasn't it? Five, no, it's five, five years. Since five years. Med, yeah. Although the lead paragraph on this story, which I'm looking at a general aviation news story here, 66,000 GA pilots flying under basic med. Um, and the lead paragraph uh, says that the program was launched on May 1st, 2017, but then it says that it's five years of success. But 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 May of seventeen was not five years ago. If I'm got the math right, right? So I mean, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. So that'd be four pro- years ago. The program yeah. was was launched, yeah, but right. I don't think it became effective until May one. Long story short, however many years it's been, apparently it's very successful. A lot of people yeah. flying under basic med. Um, what are the safety stats, Jeb? Have you heard? I mean, is it there, working? The, uh, the a lot of this. Um, well, this new report cited by GA News um, from AOPA did look back on, quote, five years, unquote, of, of basic med. And what they found generally was that general aviation continues to get safer. There are downward trends in rates and numbers of accidents over the last few years. Um, we're talking, you know, one or two percent. We're not talking 10 or 20 percent um, in, in the rate of the, in the, the size of those reductions. Um, AOPA's conclusion is that basic med has not had an impact on aviation safety and, in fact, perhaps might be somewhat partially responsible for these slight improvements. Sure. Just, just to be clear, I you can't say- argue. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Just to be clear, it, it hasn't had a negative impact on it. It certainly has not had a negative impact. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, what AOPA is saying um, is that it hasn't had a negative impact. Right now, um, we do see uh, trends toward greater safety um, in the industry. Again, they're slight trends, um, and they're kind of doing a victory lap. Yeah. Cool. Full disclosure, I, I think I'm the only of the three of us who flies to the extent I fly, but I fly under basic med. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, it works for me, um, serves me as a pilot, and I believe I'm being fair and, and, and responsible in terms of self-assessing sure. and all that sure. kind of thing. So there we go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's next here? Um, I'm sorry, David, you were awful quiet. Anything you wanted to add about basic med or... Uh? No. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm headed in that direction. Yes. Excellent. It, we're, I, it's great. And uh, I'm actually coming up on, I have to, let's see now, I forget, you know, it, the, the pandemic led me to, well, a lot of things lead me to not fly, but the pandemic certainly did its duty um, in that regard. And uh, I've sort of lost track, but I, I think I have a certain requirement re- to re-up some part of my basic med. I think I need to take the online test. I think my, it's like two years you have to take the online, retake the online test and four, you get to talk to your doctor again or something like that. So, so, um, uh, soon I'm going to return from pandemic non-flying. And before I do that, I have to, I have to renew, if you will, um, my basic med, but, and I will, and, and I don't expect it'll be a problem. I'm healthy. Ironically, at the end of the pandemic, I'm healthier now than I've been in years. Go figure. Um, Anyways, um, uh, uh, as an aside, let me say that if you like what we're doing here with this podcast, uh, please consider supporting us with a financial donation. Uh, As little as a few dollars a month really helps us to do this podcast. You can send individual donations to the UCAP tip jar via PayPal. Uh, Big thanks to uh, some of our recent tip jar supporters, Lyndon N., Michael S., 
Michael F. and David W. Thank you very much. Or you can become an automatic monthly supporter via Patreon. Uh, and thank you to some of our uh, recent Patreon supporters, uh, William H. and Jonathan H. and Colin C., Grant P., Jennifer H., Don M., Patricia S., Jim B., and Jan S., and so many others. Uh, thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon and by way of PayPal. You folks are the best. Uh, for information on how to uh, go about providing the automatic monthly support, you can check out patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace, or you can make a PayPal donation to the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. Uh, and you can get all this information again by clicking on the box in the right-hand column, the UCAP homepage. That's at uncontrolledairspace.com. Thank you very much. Uh, what else is going on here? Let's see. Now it was another one here. Um, oh, so um, in recent episodes, we've talked about how the FAA, uh, I don't know how to characterize this, basically said there's a whole bunches of flight training situations that are no longer legal and you got to do some paperwork and, you know, um, this whole LODA thing. And, um, and, uh, and, and the only big development that I've come across on this is that EAA managed to get some sort of limited blanket exemption for what? Do you guys are you guys familiar with this? Do you know, Dave's what I'm probably more familiar with this than I. Yeah, let me find the story and I'll read you the lead, and then and you can elaborate here. Um, this is from EAA.org's website. Uh, EAA granted exemption for flight training in limited category aircraft. This is back on July 25th, which would have been during the uh, the fly-in. EAA has been granted a sweeping exemption for flight training in limited category aircraft that any owner or operator can use. This exemption allows owners of limited category warbirds and their associated pilots and partners to continue training in their own aircraft following the disruptive fallout of the FAA interpretation and associated court rulings on operating certain aircraft for compensation for hire earlier. Um, I'm going to stop reading it now, but I think what it says here somewhere is that it's not just you wave your EAA card, that there is some, some, I don't know, online paperwork or some sort of paperwork you have to file. Um, but then once you've done that, you, you can fly, you can do training under this exemption. That's my understanding of it. David, are you familiar with this whole thing? Yeah, it's clear as mud. Okay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, so maybe it's not as much progress as I, you know, it's it, FAA claims that it's easy to get a loader now. And so you just go get a loader and you're good to go. Um, now EAA says we got a blanket exemption, but you have to fill out some paperwork, which might be no harder than getting the loader in the first place. Well, yeah, I, I, I won't name the individual, but, um, an acquaintance of ours, a friend of the podcast, uh, commented that they had uh, signed up to, for the LODA, gotten the LODA online um, for their experimental aircraft, so they could fly their experimental aircraft. And it was a it was a PETA, but just yeah. you know, it, it, picking up the phone and doing anything these days is a PETA. Um, so uh, you know, I don't know what is it's six of one, half a dozen of another. It sounds like that said. Um, you know, let me go on my normal rant saying, you know, the FAA did this to themselves and they need to figure a way out of this. Um, and it, it needs to be much less pain, painful than it already is uh, yeah. for, for these operators. So, yeah. you know, my, my view is for decades, the regulatory treatment of these activities has been X. And all of a sudden there's this big to do that some court 
wrote in a non-published opinion that it's actually why. And all the FAA has to do is, is uh, uh, say, no, we've been doing it this way for years and we're going to keep doing it this way. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, if, if the court makes a, makes a, a stink about this, then, well, okay, we'll do a rulemaking and get it over with. Let's, let's rip the Band-Aid off. But they've, they've really, uh, I think, kind of stumbled and, and, and screwed the pooch on a lot of this. Unintended consequences. I continue to think well, that the FAA thought that they were dealing with one particular recalcitrant training operation and uh, inadvertently found themselves in this in this you know industry wide precedent. And oops, now what do we do? Um, can't can't go back on what we well, said. I mean, they've had an interpretation for decades that that flight training in these aircraft is um, is X, and this court said no, it's Y. Yeah, and. Um, it's just a policy determination, and FAA is letting the court change their policy for no good reason. Yeah. Anyway, so okay. I mean, they need to kind of <clears throat> stand up for them for their own um, uh, rice bowl, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, they have to make up for their common sense on the mosaic thing by doing. You know, <laughs> have to balance these things out, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ruin their reputation altogether if they started to be reasonable on everything. The large, uh, the large print taketh, the small print taketh away. <laughs> there you go. Uh, anyways, David, anything to add to this? No. Uh, you know, years ago when this phrase was more in, in, in more popular use, I would say that you could put this rule or this interpretation in a dictionary next to the acronym FUBAR. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right, then. Well, we'll see how it goes here, but uh, there, there's there's that. Um, what else here? Uh, so uh, on, on some slightly lighter notes here, let's see now. Uh, the, the Mars rover Perseverance apparently has lost its rocks. I, I just don't understand. I, th- I think it's it's, you know, I, the old Walt Disney character or, or uh, Warner Brothers character, uh, the, the, the little alien with the cap, and, it, and there you go, and, and, yeah. and Bugs Bunny with the with the carrot, Mar- and, Marvin the Martian, Mar- Marvin the Martian, yeah, Marvin, the, Marvin Martian. the Martian stole this rock, yeah, yeah. Either he that snu- or- he snuck in behind the camera, yeah. And when the camera wasn't looking, he grabbed the rock and skedaddled. So I was going to suggest that that the jetpack guy took the Perseverance rocks. Well, see, but there's maybe, another. Maybe there's Marvin another. is yeah. the jetpack guy. Right. You know, he gets around. Yeah. All kidding aside, this is a weird, weird thing. So uh, Perseverance is w- one of the experiments that Perseverance is going to do, as I understand it, is it's, it's basically drilling um, sample cores um, out of the Martian surface. And uh, and the, and it's spo- the way it's supposed to work is that it drills these, these this circular drill of some sort. And then when it pulls the drill back out, there's supposed to be rocks inside the inside the drill or the cylinder or whatever it is. All right. And so they drilled the hole and everything seemed like it was working fine. And they pulled the thing back out and there's nothing in the tube. And they're trying to figure out what the heck happened to the rocks. And uh, it's like using a hole saw. If anybody's ever done that, you you. You can't get whatever, rid of the stuff. That's whatever in. you do, yeah, you can't pry the rock. You can't pry the material out of the hole saw uh-huh. after you finish. Yeah, um, I don't understand why we're having this problem. Except, you know, it's got to be Marvin the Martian. Yep. Yeah, Marvin the Martian, or 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 some, or the Martian rocks are just a different consistency than anyone ever expected, and that's maybe, what experiments are all about. And maybe we're <laughs> finding out that Mars has different physics. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly it, what it is. As long as they don't use the Q thirty eight, Q thirty six space modulator on it, that'd be fine. Yeah. 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 Q. Yeah. I'm sorry. I gotta write that down. Q 
Q36 space modulator. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, Especially if it hasn't been calibrated. On, on somewhat related, on somewhat related space re- news here, because this is now the uh, space podcast. Um, so, uh, 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 what is who is an astronaut? The definition of astronaut. I don't think we talked about this on an episode. So we were we were excited and 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 congratulating, you know, backslapping, if you will, um, the uh, recent uh, space tourists um, from two different flights, uh, <laughs> particularly um, um, Wally, uh, uh, the woman Wally, whose last name I'm blanking. On now, yeah. um, but uh, and and one of the things that that they would that that they would earn by this flight up to a certain um, um, altitude was that they would earn an astronaut decoder ring of some sort. No, I mean, all kidding aside, apparently there was some certificate that comes with getting. Well, they 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 thought they were going to get astronaut wanks. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but but after these two tourist flights happened. Uh, NASA suddenly said, time out, time out. All right, let's revisit what the right definition of astronaut is. And and as a result, um, almost all of these people on the two tourist flights no longer qualify. Um, there's, a, there's an argument being made that Wally does still qualify because part of NASA's definition of astronaut had to do with preparation, had to do with training in advance of the flight. And although Wally did her training 40 or 50 years ago, she did do the training. And so, so arguably Wally still earned her wings as she should have. Yes, um, and, and, and the others um, maybe didn't. Anything you guys want to add to that? I just, um, I don't know. I, I, I think they're starting to grade on the curve here. <laughs> they um, are exactly starting to grade <laughs> on the curve, but yeah. Um, um, you should certainly get something. Now, admittedly, I won't I won't name names, but some of these people who have ridden the rocket up to such and such a height, basically, that's all they did was ride the rocket. Right. Um, they they probably got a debriefing about how to undo the seatbelt and things yeah, like that. Yeah, but, they got a standard flight attendant pre-flight emergency briefing. exit. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. But yeah, I don't I, need yeah. another Apollo one. Yeah, yeah. But but they did do a thing, and they did do a thing, and um, they did survive said thing, which yeah. is another uh, uh, bit of, of uh, uh, information arguably, that should be factored in. Yeah, here. but arguably at no but no result of their own actions. Now, I'm not trying to diminish it exactly. Cause well, I mean, yeah, they didn't I, I open would, the they didn't just jump up and open the the um, the hatch in the middle of the flight. Yeah. So I'll give them that. Right, but. Um, but they, so they should get some recognition. True, they shouldn't get the same thing that John Glenn got. All right, I I, I would tend to agree with that. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So, anyways, I would I, I wouldn't carpet NASA giving him a pair of Chuck Taylors like what John Glenn <laughs> wore, but that's about the limit. Okay. All right. Well, on that note, I guess we're going to move on here. Uh, what are we doing? We're actually on a deadline here, so we got. I'm watching the clock, David. I'm watching the clock. Um, so, uh, bird strike? No, not bird strike. Uh, satellite strike? Uh, debris strike? This Malibu was fly, was motoring along at at cruise altitude, and suddenly something hit the windshield hard enough to crack it. Yikes! Yikes! Have you seen this story? I, I just yeah. now I'm seeing this. Uh, so, uh, like, put a put a crack in the outer layer of the of the windshield, as I understand it, and it's kind of like that'll wake you up. And, uh, you know, they basically got on the radio and said, ATC, um, uh, we kind of need to land. And, uh, 
and so they did and it was fine um and but now they're trying to figure out what it was and the hypothesis is that uh this was a bit of space debris that hadn't quite burned up yet and uh which i don't know what else would it have been <sighs> well it wasn't a bird it probably a bird. wasn't a bird a couple of guys in the comments here make a make a point yeah is not a bad one which is if it had been a piece of space debris it would have been moving at such a speed that cracking the windshield would have been the least of your worries yeah that makes some sense it, and it does make some sense um uh, it's, it's a lot of mass a lot of energy um i mean even a tiny thing exactly yeah yeah exactly so I, I, someone else made a comment that you know some something dropped from another airplane um who knows could um stuff happens although you know it generally doesn't happen at flight level 180 Oh, is that where they were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They <laughs> yeah. were they were cruising at eighteen. I don't know. I mean, I do these do do the windshields like this have any history of spontaneously spontaneously? I can always say easy for me to say doesn't, cracking. Doesn't, yeah. It was a PA forty six Malibu Meridian apparently. Um, not to my knowledge. Yeah. So it couldn't be to like, you know, questions. just degraded temperature weirdness. I don't know why. But uh, okay. All right, well. Time there, will have, tell. there have been instances of windshields on pressurized aircraft failing, yeah. but none involving the uh, Malibu that I've ever heard of. Right. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, the Meridian. I wish they didn't reuse those names like that. Malibu Meridian. That's the turboprop. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. I, you know, and dude, you know, do a good post flight. Make sure there's nothing missing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, what else here? Um, so um, a listener who, let's see now, who was it? Um, I'll fly one day on Twitter. Um, listener, I'll fly one day on Twitter. Um, ah, yes. Suggests that this ought to be a off-field landing of the week. And this is an interesting story, but I don't think it's an off-field landing of the week because the, the connotation of off-field landing of the week was that it was a forced landing, um, is that you had some trouble and you needed to get on the ground. This Although, strictly speaking, this is an off-field landing. So the helicopter, um, <laughs> they, I don't know exactly what the backstory here is. I'm going to invent the backstory, which was that they were motoring along and decided they needed ice cream. And they said, look, there's an ice cream place right down there. This is not what happened at all. I'm, this is not even... They, they landed. What did happen was that a helicopter, appear, apparently a Robinson 44, I think, looked like that. It looked um, like a 44, yeah. Yeah. Um, landed in a, I don't know if it's a parking lot or a field or something like that, near this ice cream place, went in and bought an, apparently an ice cream cake. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then I don't know whether they actually managed to take off with the ice cream cake and later on got busted, but they got busted. Um, and they got, they got written up for landing in a place where they shouldn't have landed. Careless and reckless Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Oh, that's right. This isn't U.S. That's right. I should I should have made that yeah, point. Saskatoon. This, this is uh, in Canada. So, uh, but yeah, careless and reckless is, if nothing else, that's what they're going to get them on, you know, but uh, um, okay. Now I want frog so, legs and an ice cream cake. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Jeb, go ahead. So we're really totally avoiding the issue, the question of why they have Dairy Queens in Saskatchewan. <laughs> no ice cream no ice cream you see you florida boys don't understand you florida men don't understand this okay but uh, so you're gonna let you're gonna stand you're gonna take that you're really gonna let me get away with that uh, you florida men don't understand that ice cream is not a summer dessert ice cream is is actually more of a winter dessert than a than a summer dessert look i have a close fruitful and in, in, intimate relationship with ben and jerry's 
Yeah. So, okay. I actually uh, do know that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, let's, let's move on. Yeah. Um, Cherry Garcia, as I understand, as I recall. Cher- Cherry Garcia. Cherry I, Garcia. I, I'm, I'm also, you know, becoming partial to uh, Half-Baked. Yeah. See, that's mine I'm, because I'm a chocolate guy. Um, Half-Baked yeah. is my thing. David, do you have a ch- uh, ice cream flavor? That's what I'm cream? a chocoholic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I pure mean, chocolate. One of, one of my, uh, I love dark chocolate. Yeah. One of my favorite brews that periodically comes up at uh, one of the local brew pubs is uh, made with a combination of coffee beans and chocolate, and it is tasty. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, so, but just remember when you have these cravings for ice cream, don't land your aircraft um, in the field next to the ice cream. Well, it says, says the pilot was licensed. It was illegal to land the helicopter in the area. I don't quite understand. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure I understand that either. But, you, you know, because he landed in a, quote, high traffic, unquote, parking lot. Yeah, except that the picture shows it sitting in with nothing else around uh, it. An empty lot. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. But the circumstances could have been that it was a little dicey. I don't know. You know, time, you know, I don't know. But uh, what's the good, what's the point of having a helicopter if you can't land it in the field next to the ice cream place? They're, they're eating ice cream while in a helicopter. Okay, so there's got to be something illegal. All right. Okay, we we cannot allow this kind of behavior in in in, in civilized society. I know, right? So that there, they have there has there has to be some penalty. I know. Turbo, are you out there? You need to fill us in on how this works. He's yeah. our he's well, our resident helicopter. It's guy. Canadian too, so there's that. Well, okay, yeah, but oh, Turbo, you know, knowing Turbo, he's landed for ice cream. Um, but I don't know. Fill us in, Turbo. Let us know what happened. He's going to call yep. me on his phone now from the helicopter. He does this all the time. He'll be yes, listening. he does it all the time. Yes. Within seconds of him hearing me say this, he, when, whenever he hears me say it, my phone will ring. And it will be Turbo calling me from the helicopter. All right. Uh, what else? We're almost, uh, oh, yeah, we're nearing well, the end we, of our we, allotted time. We cannot allow an ice cream bar gap. That's right. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Uh, more, more Dairy Queens. Uh, quickly, um, did we used to not be able to fly in the national parks and we now can? I don't understand what this is all about. Uh, David, I think you put this on there. Uh, what's the story here? Um, the uh, National parks get aviation is the headline. Um, you're going to make me read the story, aren't you? Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll put this on the list. Yeah. Uh, from the National Park Service. Yeah. They uh, put out this uh, piece that uh, looks at all the national parks or memorials or uh, other kind of special pieces of real estate with connections to aviation. And it's basically an invitation to go visit them. Nice. But it's not like they, you didn't, these didn't used to exist and now they do. This is just them highlighting them, which is a good thing. Uh, yeah. Cool. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of uh, of uh, stories here on this page. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's uh, but it's n n p s dot. Uh, you better you better find the link. Quick quiz: Which yeah. of these which of these uh, national parks can you f- actually fly into? Uh, I don't know. By these, do you mean is there a list here that I'm not seeing? Well, uh, this page has several listed uh, on it. Okay. Um, um, I, I don't know. You, what, what, which ones can the, you find? The Wright Brothers National Memorial. That's the one I was yep. taking my mind first. Yeah, first flight. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. Kitty Hawk, sure. North Carolina. For sure. For sure. And uh, 
Um, okay. Yeah. Um, find a link in the show notes or you could Google it's, you know, the page is labeled national park service travel sites of American aviation. And you might, well, and, and duck, duck, go we that. shouldn't give, uh, we shouldn't give this, uh, story, uh, time without, uh, giving a similar nod to the recreational aviation foundation, the RAF. Mm. Yes. Because they help create, maintain and use, uh, uh, wilderness runways for lack of a better word and they've got a whole list of places where you can fly in some of them with campsites some of them are just nothing but a strip and don't forget your toilet paper yeah i know right um speaking of not forgetting your toilet paper i think i'm going to push this off (laughs) you're going to use that you're going to stick with that as a segue i am i am um and and more more of a teaser for a future episode because we're running out of time here and uh but uh this story about this i believe it's a 737 indonesian 737 that made this crazy uh sort of approach or you know uh, final to landing and i use the word landing with finger quotes um and uh and, and many of us saw the there was initially there was a youtube video of from in the cockpit amazingly there was someone shooting in the cockpit when this happened and it was like this awesomely awesome you know crazily unstabilized approach um ending in a very very firm landing and then later on a couple days later another angle appeared on youtube somebody else was happened to be shooting this from the ground and we actually saw this aircraft coming in on final and swift and and swerving and and banking and and whatnot and then touching down and then pictures the uh, aircraft was was pretty severely damaged i mean this was more than just a hard landing um uh, they showed pictures of the trailing edge of one of the sides flaps actually made contact with the ground it was like major damage to the trailing edge of the flaps wow that's that's hidden hard yeah. And so, uh, um, you know, and so maybe we'll come back to this, but, uh, and, and maybe one way or the other, I'll put a link in the show notes of this, of these videos, but, uh, um, I, you know, be careful. Oh, man, there. That yeah. wasn't a, that wasn't a landing. That was an arrival. It, yeah. it surely was. It surely was. Anyways, I don't know. Maybe we'll come back to that one day, but, uh, um, uh, I got to get David going here cause, uh, cause he's got people to see and places to go. Um, Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's always fun talking with you. Um, Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. He's also a regular contributor to other aviation publications online. You can find Jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com. His magazine is on Twitter at, as avsafetymag. You can also find his work at aea.net, abweb.com, and on Twitter, he is Burnside J. And Dave Higdon. Dave's an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor of London's Av Buyer magazine. You can find his work online at avbuyer.com, aea. Man, oh man, I was doing so good there too. Um, aea.net, and on Twitter, he is Real Higdon. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most places by the all-one-word username Jack Hodgson. For example, Twitter slash Jack Hodgson, YouTube slash Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. You can find my eBooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. And more recently, you can sign up now for my Around the Field email newsletter at AroundTheField.net. Hey, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Yeah, you get to do this more and more often and longer and longer if you fly because, well, you've heard it before. Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. And remember, there are three simple rules for making a smooth landing.
Unfortunately, no one knows what they are. 